by the road parts one and two by william somerset mom this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. reading by matt Berard. by the road one and two by william somerset mom the approach to carmona is a very broad white street much too wide for the cottages which line it deserted and the young trees planted on either side are too small to give shade the sun beat down with a fierce glare and the dust rose in clouds as i passed presently i came to a great moorish gateway a dark mass of stone battlemented with a lofty horseshoe arch people were gathered about it in many-coloured groups i found it was a holiday in carmona and the animation was unwanted. In a corner stood the hut of the consumo, and the men advanced to examine my saddlebags. I passed through into the town, looking right and left for a parador, I an hostelry where apt to leave my horse. I bargained for the price of food, and saw Aguador comfortably stalled, then made my way to the necropolis where lived my host. There are many churches in Carmona, and into one of these I entered. It had nothing of great interest, but to a certain degree it was rich, rich in its gilded woodwork, and in the brocade that adorned the pillars. And I felt that these Spanish churches lent a certain dignity to life. For all the careless flippancy of Andalusia, they still remained to strike a nobler note. I forgot willingly that the land was priest-ridden, and superstitious so that a spaniard could tell me bitterly that there were but two professions open to his countrymen the priesthood and the bullring it was pleasant to rest in that cool and fragrant darkness my host was an archaeologist and we ate surrounded by broken earthenware fragmentary mosaics and grinning skulls it was curious afterwards to wander in the graveyard which with indefatigable seal he had excavated among the tombs of forgotten races letting oneself down to explore the subterranean cells the paths he had made in the giant cemetery were lined with a vast number of square sandstone boxes which had contained human ashes and now when the lid was lifted a green lizard or a scorpion darted out from the hill i saw stretched before me the great valley of the guadalquivir with the squares of olive and ploughed field and the various grains of the corn it was like a vast multicoloured carpet but later with the sunset black clouds arose splendidly piled upon one another and the twilight air was chill and grey a certain sternness came over the olive groves and they might well have served as a reproach to the facile andalus for their cold passionless green seemed to offer a warning to his folly. At night my host left me to sleep in the village, and I lay in bed alone in the little house among the tombs. It was very silent. The wind sprang up and blew about me, whistling through the windows, whistling weirdly, and I felt as though the multitudes that had been buried in that old cemetery filled the air with their serried numbers, a vast, silent congregation waiting motionless for they knew not what. I recalled a gruesome fact that my friend had told me, not 
far from there in tombs that he had disinterred the skeletons lay huddled spasmodically with broken skulls and a great stone by the side for when a man he said lay sick unto death his people took him and placed him in his grave and with the stone killed him in the morning i set out again it was five and thirty miles to asiha but a new high road stretched from place to place and i expected easy riding carmona stands on the top of a precipitous hill round which winds the beginning of the road below after many zigzags i saw its continuation a straight white line reaching as far as i could see in andalusia till a few years ago there were practically no high roads and even now there are few and bad the chief communication from town to town is usually an uneven track which none attempts to keep up with deep ruts and palmetto growing on either side and occasional pools of water a day's rain makes it a quagmire impassable for anything beside the sure-footed mule i went on meeting now and then a string of asses their panniers filled with stones or with wood for cormona the driver sat on the rump of the hindmost animal for that is the only comfortable way to ride a donkey a peasant trotted briskly by on his mule his wife behind him with her arms about his waist i saw a row of ploughs in a field to each were attached two oxen and they went along heavily one behind the other in regular line by the side of every pair a man walked bearing a long goad and one of them sang a malaguena its monotonous notes rising and falling slowly from time to time i passed a white farm a little way from the road invitingly cool in the heat the sun began to beat down fiercely the inevitable storks were perched on a chimney by their big nest and when they flew in front of me with their broad white wings and their red legs against the blue sky they gave a quaint impression of a japanese scream a farmhouse such as this seems to me always a type of the spanish impenetrability i have been over many of them and know the manner of their rooms and the furniture the round of duties there performed and how the day is portioned out but the real life of the inhabitants escapes me my knowledge is merely external i am conscious that it is the same of the andalusians generally and am dismayed because i know practically nothing more after a good many years than i learnt in the first months of my acquaintance with them below the superficial similarity with the rest of europe which of late they have acquired there is a difference which makes it impossible to get at the bottom of their hearts they have no openness as have the french and the italians with whom a good deal of intimacy is possible even to an englishman but on the contrary an eastern reserve which continually baffles me i cannot realize their thoughts nor their outlook i feel always below the grace of their behavior the instinctive primeval hatred of the stranger gradually the cultivation ceased and i saw no further sign of human beings i returned to the desert of the previous day but the land was more dreary the little groves of pine trees had disappeared there were no olives no cornfields not even the aloe nor the wilder cactus but on either side as far as the horizon desert wastes 
littered with stones and with rough boulders grown over only by palmetto for many miles i went dismounting now and then to stretch my legs and sauntering a while with the reins over my shoulder towards midday i rested by the wayside and let aguador eat what grass he could presently continuing my journey i caught sight of a little hole where the fir branch over the door told me wine was to be obtained i fastened my horse to a ring in the wall and going in found an aged crone who gave me a glass of that thin white wine protus of the last year's vintage which is called vino de la joya wine of the leaf she looked at me incuriously as though she saw so many people and they were so much alike that none repaid particular scrutiny i tried to talk with her for it seemed a curious life that she must lead alone in that hut many miles from the nearest hamlet with never a house in sight but she was taciturn and eyed me now with something like suspicion i asked for food but with a sullen frown she answered that she had none to spare i inquired the distance to louisiana a village on the way to Esita, where i had proposed to lunch and shrugging her shoulders she replied how should i know i was about to go when i heard a great clattering and a horseman galloped up he dismounted and walked in a fine example of the andalusian countryman handsome and tall well shaved with close-cropped hair he wore elaborately decorated gaiters the usual short close-fitting jacket and a broad-brimmed hat in his belt were a knife and a revolver and slung across his back a long gun he would have made an admirable brigand of comic opera but was in point of fact a farmer riding as he told me to see his novia or lady-love at a neighbouring farm i found him more communicative and in the politest fashion we discussed the weather and the crops he had been to seville che maravilla he cried waving his fine strong hands what a marvel but i cannot bear the townfolk what thieves and liars townfolk should stick to the towns muttered the old woman looking at me somewhat pointedly the remark drew the farmer's attention more closely to me and what are you doing here he asked writing to Esnia. ah you're a commercial traveller he cried with fine scorn you foreigners bleed the country of all its money you and the government rogues and vagabonds muttered the old woman notwithstanding the farmer with much condescension accepted one of my cigars and made me drink with him a glass of aguardiente we went off together the mare he rode was really magnificent rather large holding her head beautifully with a tail that almost swept the ground she carried as if it were nothing the heavy spanish saddle covered with a white sheepskin its high triangular pommel of polished wood our ways however quickly diverged i inquired again how far it was to the nearest village eh said the farmer with a vague gesture two leagues three leagues quien sabe who knows adios he put the spurs to his mare and galloped down a bridle track i whom no fair maiden awaited trotted on soberly by the road part two the endless desert grew rocky and less sandy the colours duller even the palmetto 
found scanty sustenance and huge boulders strewn as through some vast torrent had passed through the plain alone broke the desolate flatness the dusty road pursued its way invariably straight neither turning to one side nor to the other but continually in front of me a long white line finally in the distance i saw a group of white buildings and a cluster of trees i thought it was louisiana but louisiana they had said was a populous hamlet and here were only two or three houses and not a soul i rode up and found among the trees a tall white church and a pool of murky water further back a low new edifice which was evidently a monastery and a posada presently a franciscan monk in his brown cowl came out of the church and he told me that louisiana was a full league off but that food could be obtained at the neighboring inn the posada was merely a long barn with an open roof of wood on one side of which were half a dozen mangers and in a corner two mules against another wall were rough benches for travellers to sleep on i dismounted and walked to the huge fireplace at one end where i saw three very old women seated like witches round a brasero the great brass dish of burning cinders with true spanish stolidity they did not rise as i approached but waited for me to speak looking at me indifferently i asked whether i could have anything to eat fried eggs anything else the hostess a tall creature haggard and grim shrugged her shoulders her jaws were toothless and when she spoke it was difficult to understand i tied aguador to a manger and took up his saddle the old women stirred themselves at last and one brought a portion of chopped straw and a little barley another with the bellows blew on the cinders and the third taking eggs from a basket fried them on the brasero besides they gave me coarse brown bread and red wine which was coarser still for dessert the hostess went to the door and from a neighboring tree plucked oranges when i had finished it was not a very substantial meal i drew my chair to the brasero and handed round my cigarette case the old women helped themselves and a smile of thanks made the face of my gaunt hostess somewhat less repellent we smoked a while in silence are you all alone here i asked at length the hostess made a movement of her head towards the country my son is out shooting she said and two others are in cuba fighting the rebels god protect them muttered another all our sons go to cuba now said the first oh i don't blame the cubans but the government an angry light filled her eyes and she lifted her clenched hand cursing the rulers at madrid who took her children they're robbers and fools why can't they let cuba go it isn't worth the money we pay in taxes she spoke so vehemently mumbling the words between her toothless gums that i could scarcely make them out in madrid they don't care if the country goes to rack and ruin so long as they fill their purses listen she put one hand on my arm my boy came back with fever and dysentery he was ill for months at death's door and i nursed him day and night and almost before he could walk they sent him out again to that accursed country the tears rolled heavily down her wrinkled cheeks louisiana is a curious place 
it was a colony formed by charles III of spain with germans whom he brought to people the desolate land and i fancy the teuton ancestry was apparent in the smaller civility of the inhabitants they looked sullenly as i passed and none gave the friendly andalusian greeting i saw a woman hanging clothes on the line outside her house she had blue eyes and flaxen hair a healthy red face and a solidity of build which proved the purity of her northern blood the houses too had a certain exotic quaintness notwithstanding the universal whitewash of the south there was about them still a northern character they were prim and regularly built with little plots of garden the fences and the shutters were bright green i almost expected to see german words on the post office and on the tobacco shop and the grandiloquent spanish seemed out of place i thought the spanish clothes of the men sat upon them uneasily the day was drawing to a close and i pushed on to reach a before night but aguador was tired and i was obliged mostly to walk now the highway turned and twisted among little hills and it was a strange relief to leave the dead level of the plains on each side the land was barren and desolate and in the distance were dark mountains the sky had clouded over and the evening was grey and very cold the solitude was awful at last i overtook a peddler plodding along by his donkey the panniers filled to overflowing with china and glass which he was taking to sell in asia he wished to talk but he was going too slowly and i left him i had hills to climb now and at the top of each expected to see the town but every time was disappointed the traces of man surrounded me at last again i rode among olive groves and cornfields the highway now was bordered with straggling aloes and with hedges of cactus at last i reached the brink of another hill and then absolutely at my feet so that i could have thrown a stone on its roof lay a sierra with its numberless steeples end of by the road parts one and two by william somerset mom